Folks, would you turn with me, please, in the final part of our service tonight to the book of Isaiah and the chapter 38. You will find the words, basically, of the text in that very first verse where the Lord, through the prophet, says to Hezekiah, Set thine house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. Over the course of nearly 50 years preaching, in fact more than 50 years preaching, it's been my very sad experience to be present at the deathbed of a number of people. Some old folk and some very young. You see, the reality of death and dying is apparent all around us. I don't know how many times I have preached at funeral services, but it's always much easier for the preacher when the person who's been buried dies with their faith in Jesus Christ. Where is your hope tonight? That's the question. Where's your confidence? Where's your trusting? Are you aware of where you'll be, my friend, five minutes after you die? Because remember this. This is an absolute certainty. As the Lord tarries, that death will visit us all. We have had some tragic deaths this past week or so in our country. One of a very lovely young woman from the Mulliglass area, Judith McMullen. We have to try and feel as the parents feel, but you know, if you've never been there, you can't. But I know they're devastated. I know their hearts are broken. Even though they have the assurance that Judith is with Christ, which is far better. She only bought the bike a couple of days before she was killed. Never thought for a moment that two days later she would be in God's eternity. But you see, folks, that's the reality. You've heard that word from God. Perhaps as Hezekiah has done. I wonder if you did how you would react. Set thine house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. A very famous character from history called Gandhi, Mahatma Gandhi. He wrote these words 15 years before his death. Hinduism as I know it entirely satisfies my soul and fills my whole being. Shortly before his death, he wrote these words. My days are numbered. I am not likely to live very long. For the first time in 50 years, I find myself in the slough of despond. All about me is darkness. I am praying for light. 
He couldn't find what he was really looking for in Hinduism. You'll not find it in Islam or Buddhism or any otherism. It's only found in Christ. I was reading the last words of D.L. Moody. As he lay dying, he said this. This is my triumph. My coronation day. It is glorious. Folks, that's the question tonight. I know it's solemn. I don't want to be morbid, but I want to be honest. Are you ready to die? Is your personal trust and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you trusting in the church? A man told me once years ago in Dungannon at a funeral. He said, you know, I used to go to church, but I fell out with the old minister. I said, well, that's nothing new. What happened? Well, he said it was time for the child's confirmation. And he wouldn't do it. So I quit. Well, I said, but why would he not do it? Well, he said, because she didn't go to the church very much. Neither did we. And she didn't feel that it was right. Well, I said, tell me something, sir. What is confirmation for? Why is it done at all? Oh, he says, I don't know. But my grandfather was done. My father was done. I was done. And I want the child done. That's all he had. He's as dark as night. And all the talk in the world to him about Jesus meant nothing. The man was blinded. He was dead in trespasses and sin. And folks, that's where you are tonight if you haven't Christ. That's the reality. That's the truth of your situation. I want to say three things briefly to you this evening. Bearing in mind the words of our text. There is here a finality we must all face. Scripture clearly teaches the certainty of death. Genesis chapter 3 and in verse 19, near the end of the verse, God says, Dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. We don't have to prove the argument that death's a reality. If you ever stood at a graveside or at an open coffin, you know that. We have no convincing to do from that point of view. It's real. In Ecclesiastes we read those solemn words, there's a time to die. And folks, there is. The word was very simple. Thou shalt die. Now death can be delayed. But it will come. As a thief in the night or even after ample warnings. Someone said 60 million plus a year die. One out of one die. This is fearful is it not? And God said through the prophet. To Hezekiah, thou shall die. 
This is so personal. It's personal to you. This man, Hezekiah, was a good and godly king. Second Kings chapter 18. Let me just read the verse for a moment. Second Kings chapter 18. Bear this in mind about Hezekiah. Chapter 18 and the verse 5. He trusted in the Lord God of Israel so that after him was none like him among all the kings of Judah nor any that went were before him. This man stood out. The best of the bunch. What a testimony. Yet this great and godly man had to face the awful reality that one day he would die. He was just 25 years old at the start of his reign. He reigned 29 years. He was 54 years old. Had a serious sickness, of course, at 39 that we've read about. You see, death is no respecter of persons or age, or wealth, or poverty. You could be the richest man in Korean tonight, and you could be dead before the midnight hour streak. It's just as reality, as, as real as that. I'm thinking tonight of a young businessman in the Dungannon area a number of years ago. He had made his money. His business had prospered, and there's not a thing wrong with that. Hard work has its rewards, and this fella, he worked hard. I think he was 35 years of age, and one day he called his staff together, and he told them that he was going to retire because he had done enough. He had worked long enough. He had made his money. Now he was going to just live and eat and drink. As he was talking to the staff from the chair, he suddenly changed color. He became very pale and he said to one of his workers, listen, I have a pain in my chest. Would you open that drawer there, my desk, and there's a little bottle of whiskey. Will you pour me out a wee glass and give it to me? And of course, that's what the man did. And he took the glass in his hand And he put it to his lips. And before he drunk it, I don't even think he got a taste of it. He just slumped over and fell. And those that were there said he was dead before he hit the ground. 35. He had wealth. He had good standing in the society he lived in. He was well known in business circles in the Dungannon area yet. Folks, he was in God's eternity in a moment. That's the truth of this thing. You can be very young. Called one night to the intensive care in Dungannon Hospital. A little child of three and a half years of age who was born with I'm not sure whether it was cerebral palsy or something of that nature. But she was greatly loved. 
She was helpless, of course. Everywhere that daddy went, he took her with him. Carried her like a rag doll and just took her, took her everywhere. I got into the ward and the staff were all gathered round and the doctor just shook his head. He couldn't do a thing for that child. Her daddy picked her up in his arms. He actually worked in the hospital. And he carried her up across the street in the hospital. I followed him. I went with him. He took the child over to the morgue in the hospital. And I went in with him. And he laid little Samantha down in the slab. And he put his two hands up to heaven. And he cried out, my God, why? Why? Wouldn't you think that one so young could have lived longer, but God had other plans for that child. And he took her to heaven. And I have no doubts about that tonight. So friend, you can be in your mid-thirties, you can be under five years of age, you can be any age at all, and I tell you this, death is real. Why not face it? Why not realize it, that that organ you call your heart that pumps blood around your body one day will pump no more? Are you ready? That's the challenge. Are you ready? There's such a thing as physical death. We know that. There's spiritual death. We know that too. But worst of all, eternal death. It is appointed, God says, unto man once to die. Matthew Henry said, if you're going to die once, you would need to do it right, do it well. But after death, that's part of the verse that's often forgotten. After death, listen to it. The judgment. Oh, beloved, are you ready tonight for the judgment of God? When you stand before him, naked in your sins, what will you answer him when he asks the question, what did you do with Jesus? How will you respond? Thou shalt die. Here's a finality we must all feel. But here's a fear we must all feel. We're told in Isaiah 38 in the third verse and end of it that Hezekiah wept sore. Let's be frank and honest tonight. There is in us all a natural fear of death because we're only going to do it the one time. And it's a good thing to have a natural fear of death. That should spur the believer on to do more for Christ. And it should cause the unbeliever to think hard and long and deep. Even good men, good women, God's men and God's women feel the fear of death. Now there was none like Hezekiah. Verse 3 tells us again in Isaiah 38 here. I have walked before thee in truth 
and with a perfect heart and have done that which is good in thy sight. And he wasn't lying. And he wasn't exaggerating. That was God's testimony to this man. We read about his worship, his walk, his witness. How often people say after a death, oh, you know, he was a good man. She was a good woman. When in many instances, it's true that, of course, but in many instances, it's not true. Like an old fella in my church years ago asked the local vicar, tell me something, reverence. Where do you bury the bad ones? Because every time I've heard you bury people, and some of them I know to be the greatest rascals in Coal Island. What do you do with the bad ones? The minister has no response except to grunt and walk away. Because he had no response to give, you see. Oh friend, that's a great thing. When a godly man or a godly woman pass on, for you know where they are. Join that great multitude that no man can number from every nation and kindred and tribe and tongue and colour and culture. And with the Lord. They have swept through the gates of the new Jerusalem. And they were singing, washed in the blood of the Lamb. Oh, life is precious, is it not? We want to hold on to it. And death is too solemn a subject to speak about. The ungodly certainly fear this. I was reading what Stalin's daughter said of her father's death. That great leader of communism in Russia. I'm quoting here. My father died a difficult and terrible death. At what seemed the last moment, he suddenly opened his eyes and cast a glance over everyone in the room. It was a terrible glance, insane or perhaps angry. It was a glance full of the fear of death. Oh, beloved, are you fearful tonight? The Bible tells me that perfect love casteth out fear. There is no fear in love. Is that your trust this evening? Is that what you're depending on? A very dear elder, I tell this story quite a bit, for it thrills me to tell it. One of my elders in Dungannon was a man by the name of Abraham Nelson. And I tell you this as a minister. That man was everything that an elder should be. He was a godly soul. One night, I was called to the house. Quite late on. And there was urgency in the phone call. Now immediately, I can't remember if I had to get out of bed and get dressed, but whatever it was, I got there very quickly. About four miles away. Went into the room, the doctor was coming out of the room and when he saw me, he just shook his head. Just to say, it's too late. 
I remember going into the room. Everybody was in tears, including the preacher. The whole family were there. Abram was sitting in a big, easy chair. And was an awful colour. There were no signs of life at all. I went over to him. Sat myself down beside him. And took a hold of his hand. Now, I have big hands. But my hands were dwarfed by his. Huge hands. A big man. And I took a hold of his hand and I said, Abram, you need to know, brother, that the Lord is with you. And he suddenly opened his eyes and rallied a wee bit and looked at me and looked round the room. And here's what he said. I am his and he is mine. Then he fell back again. He lived for a while after that. In fact, the next morning when I went in the hospital to see him, he was having tea and toast. He recovered quite well for a while. But then he did go. And folks, if ever a man was ready to go, he was. I didn't discover till afterwards talking to his son how much that he loved me. But I certainly loved him. Think about him still after many years. There's one final thought here and I'll be very brief. There's a fact we should all follow. Set thine house in order. You know temporal matters are important. You know what the Lord said about those that provide not for their own household. They're worse than infidels. Temporal matters are important. But eternal matters are more important. We read of Hezekiah in 2 Kings 18. He trusted in the Lord God of Israel. I wonder to you. Is your hope built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness? You dare not trust the sweetest frame. Folks, you're wholly leaning on Jesus' name. Are you? I trust you are. And if you're not, we'd love to help you. Now, I cannot save you, of course. But I can point you to one who can. And although I don't go down to the door this weather yet, I'll be in the pulpit for a moment or two. And listen, on a a few occasions, we have had the joy of leading people to the Savior in the pulpit. We can help you in the pulpit. But you can find this where you're sitting. A friend of mine, sitting in the gallery in Bethany Church so long ago, as Ken Elliott was preaching, Just during the message, he bowed his head and he trusted Christ. And God saved him. Folks, he can save you tonight, where you sit. You don't need the preacher, a parson, a pope or a pastor. You need Christ. Just repent. Acknowledge your guilt and forsake your sin. And put your trust in Christ Jesus. That's what you've got to do. 
Realize your state. Recognize the sovereign God that loves you. Repent of your sin and receive Christ as your Savior. That's all you've got to do. And I'll tell you this. There's a great sense of urgency here. Because none of us know the moment. What did David say to Jonathan? There is but a step between me and death. For some it's a short step. For others it's a long step. But at the end of the journey, it's just a step, beloved. Tell me this. Are you ready to take that step? Have you taken that step? It would be our prayer tonight and the prayer of the folk in this congregation that you'll take the step of faith. You may pray a long time for someone, but God can save them. God can save you. I trust you'll think about it. The Lord will speak to your heart. And you'll put your faith in the Savior. I have said all I'm going to say tonight. Just want to have a word of prayer and dismiss the meeting. And earnestly pray that you'll consider your latter end. Oh, taste and see. The Lord is good. Father, we thank thee tonight that although this message in its nature is very solemn, yet, Lord, we believe it's very true. Men are going to die. We pray that they'll get ready. Their faith and their trust and their hope and their dependence will be in the blessed Savior of sinners. O Lord, speak with that voice tonight that wakes the dead and make the people hear. Separate us now with your blessing. Bring us all to our homes in safety and watch over us this night. In Jesus' name, amen.